You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. We want to see worship leaders, singers, musicians, songwriters releasing their song and their sound to the Lord so that His presence and glory would come in cities and nations all over the earth. We want to see worship rise. And so today we have an amazing conversation on the podcast with worship leader, singer, songwriter, Kalani Webb. She has been involved in some amazing worship movements such as Morning Star in the late 90s, early 2000s. She's been a leader and a trainer in the House of Prayer context where there have been day and night worship and prayer and music and prayers flowing together. She's also been a local church worship pastor. And so she's kind of been in lots of different contexts where you would have music and worship and prayer and ministry happening all together. And so she has so much wisdom to offer. If you're a musician or you're a singer, or you're a worship leader, this episode is especially for you. But if you're not one of those things, you're going to also love this episode if you want to see worship rise, if you want to see your community filled with the presence of God, if you relate to worship leaders or musicians or singers, if you're a pastor or a leader in a community, or if you're an intercessor at a house of prayer or something like that, and you're interacting with musicians and singers, this episode is going to actually be really, really helpful for you as well. And we want to see musicians and singers, like I said, releasing their song and sound to the Lord. Now, before I go any further into the interview, just want to welcome anyone that's new to the podcast today. Thanks for tuning in. The Presence Pioneers podcast exists to help you and your community to host the presence of God because we believe God's presence changes everything. And so what we do is we release an episode on Thursdays. It's either a short Bible teaching or it's an extended interview and conversation like the one we're having today to equip you in hosting God's presence through day and night worship and prayer. So hit subscribe. However you're tuning in, wherever you're tuning in, we would love to have you continue to track with us moving forward. You can also visit our website anytime at presencepioneers.org. We have our entire episode archive up there. You can search by keyword, by topic. You can get all the show notes. You can learn more about our ministry up there. And you can also make a donation if you'd like to say thank you and help support the podcast and allow us to continue to move forward in equipping people to host the presence of God with day and night worship and prayer. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Kalani Webb. Enjoy. Hey, Kalani, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you on today. Uh, maybe just take a minute and introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and some of what you do. Yeah, sure. My name is Kalani Webb. Actually, my last name just changed about a year and a half ago. I got married. So now hey, it's congratulations. a farm. <laughs> Thank you. My <laughs> last name used to be a, a real mouthful for people. It was Gleckler and no one really ever got it right. So it's, not, it's nice to have a name that only a you know, last name that's easy to spell and to pronounce. But uh, right. yeah, so I'm a worship leader. I've been leading worship for like 25 years, I guess now. And I'm a songwriter. I love to teach and equip worshipers. That's a big passion of my heart. Uh, so, uh, you know, alongside of being a worship leader in a local church right now, I, you know, have a ministry that focuses on teaching and training worshipers as well. What else do you want to know about me right now? That's great. M married a year and a half ago. That's that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's hey, amazing. listen, it is a big one because I'm I'm in my 40s, so I I waited a long time for the <laughs> for the right man to come into my life, and so yeah. Gary and I we live here in Jacksonville, Florida. We're both in ministry, so um, the Lord really paired us together. There's strengths that He brings to the table that complement mine, and I'm just I'm so grateful for for what the Lord has done there in my life. Yeah, well, I'd love to just explore some of your journey today and some of the things God's taught you as a worship leader, hopefully to help any musicians, singers, worship leaders who connect with us, as well as those that are trying to relate to and communicate with and lead, you know, musicians and singers as well. I think, you know, this conversation could probably be, could be helpful for them. We were talking before we hit record here about how I knew of you from Morningstar, church in Charlotte, right. where when I was in 
you know, my late teens, early 20s would go into these prophetic worship conferences and prophetic conferences, and you were doing leading some worship. And so, so we, we, speaking of your last name, we never knew how to say it. So we, you were just always yeah. Kalani. That was it. You know, we would just, we knew your songs were Kalani, you know, and that, that was enough because there weren't any other Kalanis either. Um, True. But we lo- loved your music and loved your songs and just been kind of tracking, you know, seeing what you've been doing from a distance. I know you got involved in some houses of prayer, worshiping the yeah. local church, uh, songwriting. And so would love to, you know, just explore some of some of your journey. How about let's start at Morningstar. How did you end up there, you know, very creative, prophetic right. community there at Morningstar, especially like early, you know, mid-2000s, whenever it was that you were a part of that community? Sure. Yeah, I ended up at Morningstar because um, I sort of encountered the, you know, the music while I was in college. I went to college in the, you know, the mid-90s. So my college years overlapped really almost directly with uh, like the Brownsville revival. Yeah. I came out of a Pentecostal background, spirit filled background. I'm a pastor's kid and, you know, went to college to study music. I, I majored in music composition and my roommate was a spirit filled believer as well. She and I just, we were like, a, you know, the power duo for Jesus on our campus. <laughs> and I got heavily involved with the local church, you know, while, while I was in college and that church really was, I would say we were in revival. Uh, we, you know, we, they brought bus loads over to Brownsville. I got to experience and encounter that atmosphere. So there was a lot happening in my spiritual life at that time. Um, just growing, just growing a lot. And there's so much hunger in my, in my heart. So I guess it was one summer between maybe my sophomore and junior year. I'm not really sure, but my roommate came back from summer break and she had this CD. She was like, you have to listen to this. And it was called Warfare oh, yeah. featuring Don Potter. So it was one of these Morningstar CDs and I'd never heard anything like it. I mean, the album had, I think it only had like four or five tracks on the album and every track was like 20 minutes long Oh yeah, with all this flow and everything. <laughs> and, you know, at that point in my life, I'd never, I'd never heard or encountered any, anything like that. I'd heard a little, like a little bit of some spontaneous worship, but nothing, nothing like this. And it just really just wrecked me that happened. And then secondarily, you know, to that, there was a couple in our church who, I mean, honestly, they were just, they saw something on my life and they heard something in my sound as just a young worshiper, a young worship leader. They saw something in me that they really wanted to encourage and speak into. And they encouraged myself and, and my roommate, like, hey, come with us to this place uh, called mm-hmm. Morningstar. And so I had just the tiniest bit of context for what this place was. And uh, we yeah. so we went on a Friday night. This would have been in, I think, 1996 or seven to their school of the spirit meeting walked in that night. I think Don Potter was on the stage. That was back when it was like Don Potter, Leonard Jones, Susie. Uh, now she's Susie Urai is her yeah. name now. Um, and honestly, Matthew, I just, there it was like something on the inside of me just resonated for the first time mm. in the, in that atmosphere of worship and that kind of prophetic swirl where they would do a song, you know, but they wouldn't end it. They just keep flowing on it and jamming and, yeah. and looking at each other and watching and listening and seeing what God wanted to do next. And then, you know, some, one of the singers would start to sing stuff prophetically and then they'd start to repeat it and repeat it. And we could all sing it together and people were, you know, dancing and moving. There was such freedom in the room. It, it was about the freedom, but it was also about that, that prophetic atmosphere of being able to prophesy and declare and kind of in alignment with what the Holy Spirit was doing and, and the kind of releasing that sound or the sound of heaven or the sound of warfare or whatever it happened to be in the moment. So uh, that was my first trip. And uh, after that, I, I did go visit, you know, a few more times during college. And then fast forward a few more years, I, I out of college, I went on staff with my parents and served as a worship pastor. And but I kept, I kept visiting <laughs> Morningstar whenever I could. Yeah. And I knew, I knew there was something the Lord wanted to, to do and to grow and develop within me that I needed to, I needed to pursue. And so I took, I took a big step and, um, you know, left that position 
and moved to Charlotte, got a job at Ruby Tuesdays, waiting tables there you go. into a you know <laughs> one bedroom apartment in Charlotte and just dove in as a, at that point, I would have been, I guess, 26 years old, something like that, 25, I'm not sure, but it was incredible from day one. I didn't go mm. there with some expectation that like I'd be on the stage leading worship or anything. Honestly, I just wanted to get in that atmosphere and drink yeah. and, uh, and receive. And I knew that that was a place I, where I could. So, yeah, I mean, we That's just awesome. kind of from this, from the start, it was just the Lord was doing a lot in my heart fast. It was intense yeah. and it was really good. That's awesome. I'd love to hear some of what you gleaned from Morningstar in that season, but I wanted to go back real quick. You said something about how there was some leaders in your life that saw something in you or saw something on you and they encouraged you in that and they called you out in that. What did that look like? Because we want to see the worship movement, the prayer movement. We want to see this thing continue for generations to come. We want to, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people that are maybe, you know, you and my age, you know, we're getting a little bit older and we want to start (laughs) being fathers and mothers. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to see my, I've got, for kids, I want to see my kids raised up and into all that they're called to do. I want to see them be worshipers. And so anyway, I yeah. just, I'm just curious, how, how does that work? How do you see that something on somebody? And then mm-hmm. how, how did they call that out in you? Because I think absolutely. That's yeah, well, I think in, in that particular case, they were just, they were just people who loved the Lord and who had enough sensitivity to, to see something on my life to discern it, I guess you might say. Um, in its kind of younger stages and to be bold enough to initiate uh, a step for me and say, Hey, we want to take you here. We feel like this is important for you. We will drive you there. Um, I think sometimes, and and this is true in my own life because I, I've, I've stepped into a season now where I am much more of a spiritual mother now to a generation of, of young people, even people who are in college right now that I'm getting to mentor and, you know, develop and, and encourage. We'd sometimes we underestimate just a moment, like how much impact a moment, one conversation can make on a, a young person to mm. uh, encourage them to, to say, I see you, I see this yeah. on your life and to speak that out. It's, I mean, it is like, it's prophetic and it's active. It, it's activating a lot of times. It just, there were people in my, in my life and as a teenager who's they, they'll never know the impact they had just in a moment to acknowledge a calling on my life an anointing that they could see, even though I didn't see it yet. So I think yeah. part of it is asking the Lord for eyes to see and ears to hear those sort of things and, and be willing to be discerners of, of those kind of things on young people around us and in our lives that we can encourage. And certainly that we can connect with like to not be afraid or intimidated yeah. to uh, kind of challenge someone in their mm. in their walk with the Lord and their development their as they you know in building their history with God and the and even spiritual disciplines all the things that sometimes we're like well, I don't know if I should say anything if you take the time to build an inroad some relational connection with them I, I mean I'm finding young people they want that so much they you yeah. know they want to be mothered and fathered um, they want to be encouraged um, in those ways. So, I mean, for, for me, it was, I mean, they were, they were pivotal and I still, they, you know, they still kind of keep in touch with me a little bit. They know where, where I am now. And, and I hope yeah. that they're encouraged by that. Yeah, that's awesome. No, for sure. And I, I've experienced the same thing in my journey too, where there's those people who have just taken a few minutes to, to say something and I'm remembering it. I mean, you know, 13, 14 year old and they say something i'm just learning to play guitar you know mm-hmm. yes and, yes and they and i remember this phrase because it's not a phrase i'd use but a, you know a, my pastor said you have the heart of a psalmist and i was like that's a weird phrase you know the heart of a psalmist <laughs> that's not the language i would use but i remember it to this day yeah uh, because it was god's word you know over my life and and just having a older more talented you know more experienced man, just speak that over my life was, was super impactful. So that's so good. Oh, absolutely. Super helpful. Well, your experience at Morningstar, you're there with Don Potter, Leonard Jones, for people that don't know, these are some major pioneers in prophetic worship. What did you glean from that season at Morningstar? Maybe even that you're still, you know, using today or passing on, you're training worship leaders and musicians and mm-hmm. singers now 
So I'm sure there's stuff you gleaned in that season that now you're passing on. So what are some of the things you you took away from that time? Yeah, I think probably there were a lot of things I was gleaning that I, some of it was, you know, I don't like to use this word lightly, but impartation. There were definitely things mm. that were being imparted to people like myself as we were in, you know, that atmosphere consistently of the prophetic and prophetic worship and the gifts, you know, the gifts of the spirit really being activated in our midst. Um, so there were some things I didn't even realize were being deposited huh. in me, you know, and I'm still probably unpacking some of that. I mean, certainly it's, it was an honor to sit under Don and Leonard and Susie during, you know, during those few years. And I mean, obviously I was in a ministry school, so there was lots of classes. We were learning a lot of Bible and a lot of, you know, leadership and ministry and all, all the things, but it amazes me. The atmosphere there, one of the things that was really unique, of course, back then, the rule was if you were going to lead worship, you had to lead your own songs. You had to write your own songs. I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. And so there were, you know, some of the folks who were there the same time as me, people would know their names, like Josh Baldwin and John Mark McMillan and some of those folks. And what was so beautiful was, you know, one of us would write a new song. And then we'd lead that song at a conference and everybody would be like, yeah, this is the best song. I mean, it would be such an ex- you know, explosive response to this song. And every single one of us, you know, all the rest of us who are worship leaders would just cheer each other on and just champion each other. And then somebody else would write the next song. And then that would be like a big song that we'd sing for a long time. And it was just, it was a creative atmosphere, but it was an atmosphere where we just all loved each other, cheered each other on. And there wasn't there wasn't a sense of needing to kind of compete or be territorial, which was just, when I look back on it, I'm like, that was, that was really unique and special and certainly was cultivated by the, the mothers and the fathers there. Yeah. Susie, you're right. I can't say enough good stuff about Susie because Susie, some people don't even realize because she's kind of a, if you don't know her, I mean, she's, she's kind of hidden in a way, right. but she has influenced so many worship leaders, like learning how to be free and be uninhibited before the Lord <laughs> and to sing out the song of your heart, to sing spontaneously and take those, those leaps. She demonstrated that consistently and just paved the way for us. And there were times she, she'd come up behind me on the stage and just kind of help me get out there. She would do that for all of us and just model something that was so unique I talk to worship leaders, notable worship leaders now and, and songwriters who will point to Susie and, and, and go like, I remember going to a Morningstar conference when I was 16, you know, and seeing this yeah. woman on the stage. And so that was hugely impactful in my life. Certainly learning to value writing my own songs in worship mm. and, and how that's unique when you, when you're as a worship leader, when you write your own songs and release those, how you, how you release um, and even the authority that comes from that, not to say that you shouldn't ever sing anybody else's songs, yeah. but there's something really unique in that. And then of course, really in, in a prophetic atmosphere like that, we were, I mean, we had the liberty to go for it Yeah. on our songs to just keep riding the waves and learn as a team to watch each other and like see who, who has it. Maybe it's the electric guitar player starts to play, a melodic line spontaneously. And then I should be listening for that. And do I hear any words? Do I hear words that go to that melody? It's kind of that, that dynamic of listening for what the Holy Spirit is doing in inside the team yeah. and what he's doing in the room and how we respond to what he's doing in the room. So I think just overall, like my, my sensitivity, it placed a demand on all of us to lean into the Holy Spirit and learn that sensitivity, yeah. you know, if that makes sense, to uh, learning how to kind of hear his voice and, and discern in that way. That was a really unique opportunity to do that and for it to be a safe space to do yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's why our Friday night meetings were called School of the Spirit, which I love, you know, because it, it was a school we were learning and um, yeah. learning how to flow in the spirit. So I, I will always be grateful and certainly thankful to, to this day to be able to call Don Potter and Leonard Jones and Susie, you're right. My friends, that's just such an honor. Yeah, that's awesome. I got to meet Susie a couple of years ago 
we we did a week long worship school in Raleigh, and uh, she was oh. able to come in for a couple of days. And she's she's so fun and so good at helping helping people like nobody else I know to just help people get free and just open mm-hmm. up and release their song, release their sound uh, in a free way. So I love it. I I, I distinctly yeah. remember one Morning Star conference I was at, and it was an afternoon session or something, and. She's trying to get everybody to sing, and literally, she jump, comes off the stage with the microphone and goes around yes. to random people and puts the <laughs> microphone up. And she came up mm-hmm. to me one time, and it, I was so nervous, you know, but like, yeah, put the microphone right in my face. But uh, <laughs> you know, if there's if there's fear in you, it's like it's going to get confronted, you know. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun. So I'm curious. I, I don't totally know kind of where you went after Morningstar, what your journey is. Mm-hmm. I know that you ended up in Jacksonville. I know that you ended up yeah. connected with the House of Prayer there. You know, you mentioned that mm-hmm. Warfare City of Don Potter. And when I go back and listen to some of those, you know, this is what, mid-90s or something like that. Yes. I realize they're engaging in prophetic worship, of course. There's also a lot of singing scripture. There's a lot mm-hmm. of singing prayers, you know declaring things prophetically, spiritual warfare. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's what the house of prayer communities are doing nowadays in some ways where you have this singing, the scripture, prophecy, prayer, worship, music, and it's all kind of coming together. And I was like, oh man, they were kind of not fumbling into it in a bad way, but they were kind of pioneering. How do you, all these things kind of come together in a unique Mm -hmm. way which I guess, you know, Kansas city kind of took the harp and bowl model and kind of created a model around it. But yeah. anyway, how did you end up sort of in the house of prayer world? And, mm-hmm. you know, any thoughts yeah. on any of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I left Morningstar after I finished the school. It was a two-year school. And then a really important piece of my journey involves a man named Ray Hughes. Oh, yeah. Um, Ray is a, a real spiritual father in my life. Mm. Um, I started traveling with him. It was a small team of us that started traveling with him. I, this my second year at Morningstar. We went overseas with him. We did stuff in the United States and conferences. And that really started to develop um, and push me out in, in my teaching gift because we did some workshops, sometimes very spontaneously that we didn't know we were going to do. And uh, <laughs> so so I ended up, uh, after I finished at Morningstar, I, I moved to Nashville for a short period of time and actually lived with Ray and his family. They, they moved out there to see about maybe starting a, a school of worship there in Nashville. So I was kind of on board to be a part of that, went out there and, you know, we started to to look into pioneering that. Long story short, the timing wasn't right. You know, there's just some things that, that it just wasn't the right time. And so I had kind of to make a decision about what, what was next for me. Um, in the meantime, I had uh, visited this church here in Jacksonville, Florida called New Life. They invited me to come. Now, the connection there is, uh, it's really interesting because back in the 90s, Morningstar did several conferences here in Jacksonville hosted at, at New Life Christian Fellowship. Gotcha. I've seen video of it. Like our, our sanctuary holds about 26, 2800 people. And I've seen video of these conferences that happened in like 1997 I mean, packed, just <laughs> packed with people yeah. and just going for it. So I, I was really interested. I'm curious. Sorry to interrupt you. There's this video on YouTube of like Don Potter. I don't, I don't remember what it's called. Something like impartation of musicians or something. Do you know what video yep. I'm talking about? Is yep, that a, I do. Is that your church? Yep. I thought I thought yep. that was somewhere in Florida. We'll link to that in the description because <laughs> that's a powerful video. Even it now, is. you know, 25 mm-hmm. years later or whatever. So that way people can kind of it get is. a taste of some of the, you know, some of what we're talking about here. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I just thought it was so interesting. Like even some of those Morningstar CDs that you know, I bought all of them and listened to all of them. Once I discovered one, it was like, well, give me more. Um, yeah. Some of those CDs were recorded here at this church, New Life wow. in Jacksonville. So it was just really wild how the Lord brought things around kind of full circle in my life. And I landed here. So it was just a really, there was already a strong relationship bridge between a Rick Joyner and uh, Morningstar and uh, Bishop Paul Zink and the, the church here. So they invited me to come uh, because of that, because they'd seen, 
you know, seen me at uh, Morningstar and heard me lead worship and whatnot. So I came and visited, yeah. led worship one weekend. And just, I, I guess I, I sensed, I had a sense immediately of like the DNA of this place, you know, this church mm-hmm. and, and even the deposits and the spirit that had been made in, in the city of Jacksonville through New Life. And I felt like, you know, that, that would be a place I could connect with and I'd love to serve at. And so long story short, uh, they did offer me a, a position and I, I moved here in 2004 and started, you know, leading worship and, and um, getting really involved with developing, developing the worship team, developing singers, teaching them more on the prophetic and how to um, sing spontaneously, sing the word, all that kind of stuff. And just really sewing into the, you know, the, the people um, teaching on things that I'm, I'm passionate about teaching. And so about the, the house of prayer connection First of all, I, w- I want to tell this funny story. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so back in 1999, I think it was 1999, a friend of mine who lived in Nashville hooked me up with pretty much every cassette tape from every workshop that had taken place at a conference there called, it was a Worship Together conference. And yeah, 1999, tons of people were there. Matt Redman was somebody I really, you know, I really liked yeah. and I got all his, all the teachings he did there. And and um, several people, well, this guy named Mike Bickle, who I'd heard of, I'd heard of him because he, he yeah. had a book that we had to read called Growing in the Prophetic. And so he was there and he taught a session called The Heavenly Symphony and the Beauty Realm of God. That's what it was called on the tape. That was the label. And I was like, cool. You know, so I started listening <laughs> Short to little it. catchy title there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just does what Mike Bickle does. He's just teaching and he's basically talking about He's talking about, you know, the atmosphere of heaven around the picture around the throne room and the, yeah. you know, the harps and the golden bowls full of incense and how this correlates to worship and intercession. And he's basically unpacking kind of this model that they've developed, this harp and bowl model. And he says, so he says, we're going to come up now. We're going to model it for you. And I was like, I was so excited because he'd been explaining it, but now I'm going to get to actually like hear it. And yeah. so... <laughs> Right about then, the tape just ends. It just... It's- oh, man. <laughs> I was like, no! Like, I have to hear I have to hear it. And I didn't yeah. get to hear it until oh, many years later. Wow. Um, some, some folks here at this church, their, their son was out at the International House, of, International House of Prayer. So they were big IHOP people. And they gave me a CD called Standing on the Wall which I think came out in 07 maybe. And it was an actual CD kind of giving you a taste of harp and bowl. So you could hear the prayer leader pray and then the singers kind of do what they did. And we'd go back to the prayer leader and some more singing. And, mm. and that's kind of how I began to really learn harp and bowl because this was before, I think it was before they went, you know, they went like started live streaming the prayer room. Right, right. So back then it was like trying to learn harp and bowl. I was like, well, how, I had the manual, like I got the manual from oh, yeah. IHOP. Like that, you know, I'm reading this and then I've got right, a couple of them back there on the yeah, shelf somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and which was great, but it's like unless you can actually hear it, it's sort of, it's just like a lot of information. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so I started. I put some things together. Like I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, and I love this because these are elements that I've I learned to value and to operate in at like at Morningstar, like you were saying. Yeah. But here's a model that helps teach and, and empower a whole team to step into this with, you know, at least with some confidence because you, you have a little bit of a support mechanism around you. Like, yeah, here's a model we can follow together. It gives you some common language. Mm. So I started teaching it here at, at New Life at my church. I just started teaching harp and bowl and helping to raise up prayer leaders. And we started doing once a quarter, we started doing like a, like a just a, a weekend, 24 hour of continual yeah. you know, worship and prayer and rotating teams and stuff. We, it was bringing so much life. Awesome. I, we loved it. We just loved it. But we needed our prayer leaders needed, you know, needed some training. So that's what we were doing mm. was uh, was using the harp and bowl model to um, to kind of prepare our own people. Well, in the midst of that, somehow uh, the Jacksonville House of Prayer was transitioning into like an actual building. It had kind of been, you know, a sort of an informal thing up until then yeah. in, in a church. So they were moving into a building right on the river. Our the city of Jacksonville is huge, and we have a, a river that cuts through our downtown gotcha. called the St. John's River. So they started renting a, a building that's right on the river. And so when you're when you're on the stage in the house of prayer there, 
Yeah. You can look at the whole back. It's just glass. So you can see the river. You can see downtown. You can oh, see the, cool. the football stadium. You can see, it's really cool. Yeah. So anyway, I connected with, uh, with the director of Jack's Hop. This was like in 2008, I think. Like so long ago, <laughs> he actually reached out to me. He said, "Hey, I, I've I've heard that you're teaching harp and ball. Would you come teach it here at a uh, at Jack's Hop?" Yeah. And so that was the initial connecting point. Hmm. So I started doing that, and then started getting involved there and yeah. leading sets and bringing bringing our people over there, you know, to to get involved. And then what that what that evolved into was um, eventually I I came on staff like part time. I was kind of doing both like being a worship leader at my church and helping the house of prayer. And then eventually it got to a point where I knew, I, I, I knew the Lord was calling me to really fully step in. So I stepped in as the, we called me the chief musician. So that was my, yeah my title. And honestly, Matthew, the Lord was doing something I feel like was really unique and beautiful during those years in particular, just people were coming from, um, a lot of different churches in our city who were involved in various ways in their worship teams and were com- are coming together. So we have these blended teams. A lot of mm. times people from different yeah. churches playing together on these sets. It was a great place, you know, for young people uh, or people who were new to spontaneous singing to learn how to flow in that. Of yeah. course, it was a great place to go deep in the word. Yeah. Our team reaped tremendous benefit. Like I don't think our, our, Sunday morning congregation really understood like what was happening. There was so so much that would happen in the prayer room on a Friday night, mm. what we were cultivating there, the overflow would happen on a Sunday morning. You know, right. it, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, th- those years were really precious. So I, I served in that capacity for about three years and um, I absolutely loved it. It was very, it was very different, you know, right. very unique. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is you have, Morning Star, which in my mind is like a free for all, which that may or may not be what it's really like, but in my mind it's a little bit of a free for all, kind of open ended. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the harp and bowl model, which has flexibility built into it and spontaneity mm-hmm. built into it, but it's also pretty structured, depending yep. on yep. depending on how rigid you teach the model. So yeah, what was what was that like? I'm just wondering, like how. Do you have one that yeah. you like more or <laughs> are you are you a fan of either one? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. I, well, I, I like both. I mean, I, I think right. it's always important, always important that we don't, we don't let structure just box us in so tight and take, take over. Um, But I did, I did find, because I I actually would have conversations with some people like that were, that were at the beginning were either, either they didn't like the idea of a model or they were kind of suspicious of it in some way. Like, and you know, you've probably heard some of these analogies used about, you know, the banks of a river that help enable the river to flow with power Mm -hmm. or, you know, or how to, you know, like the trellis that a tomato vine grows on that brings support for the plant to grow. 
all those kind of analogies were helpful for me and yeah and um and understanding it but i think i think having having a model actually allowed us to in, to include and involve so many different people and give them um you know some just the clear enough boundaries that it's like you know it's like the whole thing with kids on a playground they did a study and you maybe you've heard this years ago like if kids were on a playground that, that where there weren't clear boundaries, like if it wasn't fenced in, the tendency yeah. for those kids were to stay closer to the middle. Um, but if you put kids in a playground that had that was fenced in, the tendency would be for them to explore all the space. Wow. And that makes sense. Yeah. So sometimes having the freedom, like saying our goal, here's our goals. You know, we, we want to go deep in the word together. We want to, you know, we want to um, encourage spontaneity and creativity and, all those kind of things. So here's some, here's some common language. Here's the way we're yeah. going to focus that in. Here's what our target is going to be. And that's going to give our singers, even the most timid singers, more confidence to, to get in, to get in yeah. on it and sing out. And so teaching the model, I actually kind of enjoy structure. Right. I, I love the spontaneous, but I'm wired to be a teacher. So yeah. therefore, <laughs> therefore I like, a, I like having, models that can that are teachable and reproducible and right. so when you have a little bit of that in a way it's easier to teach and help people catch the vision and see it and go oh yeah. you know like for example even just the concept of developing what they call spontaneous choruses which are just repeatable phrases like to say yeah. our goal ultimately is to summarize what's just been prayed or what we just read in the scripture to summarize it in such a way that everyone in the room can sing it together. And that maybe yeah. when you go home, it's still resonating in you over and over again, because there was a melody yeah. that was put to that scripture or that phrase that, that we declared together and understanding that that's a, that that's a goal in, in the harp and bowl model is really helpful. I didn't know it was kind of a goal at Morningstar because it would always end up being like that. They would say, Oh yeah, there were courses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they would say, you know, sing prophetically but ultimately we need to get to a point where we can sing where we can engage everyone so everyone's just not like zoning out while you right. go off for five minutes <laughs> right never repeating anything just you know, yeah 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 totally yeah, yeah flowing yeah well i'm curious about the the idea of ministry to the lord as a worship leader as a musician and singer i'd, I'd love to to get your thoughts and experience on some of this i know that Don Potter wrote a book called Facing the Wall, which mm -hmm. is kind of a, a neat way of thinking about the idea of ministry to the Lord, facing the wall and just singing to Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I know it's a high value in the house of prayer. I'd imagine the experience at the house of prayer is probably not a lot of people in the room Correct. <laughs> compared, to, <laughs> compared to the energy of a Morningstar worship conference in the mm -hmm. you know late 90s, early 2000s. So right. what... What was that journey like for you in terms of going from big conferences to local church, house of prayer? You know what I mean? How, oh, yeah. what, how did you navigate that in your own heart? Well, I mean, to be honest, it was in a lot of ways really refreshing for mm. me to be in a place where in, in a house of prayer, when there's only maybe two to 10 people out there it kind of strips away for me. It was like, I don't feel any need to perform or impress anyone right now. All the pressure's off. There's no cameras in here. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, we're ministering to the Lord. Like you said, kind of it, 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 in a way it's like a little bit of a litmus test. It's like a recentering of like, do I remember why mm. I'm in this? Because like certainly be, being like a worship pastor, being a worship leader, serving in a church, there's always that sense of like, you know, ministry to the people, which of course, we, we are there to serve the people and to help them encounter the Lord. But with that, there's a lot of things to navigate that can be tricky, especially when you get into larger churches and with cameras and the way things are programmed out and all, all the stuff that aren't, isn't necessarily bad. It's just more stuff that to, for the heart to navigate. I remember talking to the Lord at one point, like, but what if, <laughs> like, so you're <laughs> going to put me in this prayer room full time, like hidden away. What if, what if people just kind of forget that I exist? What if I lose my platform? You know, like just kind of weird right. stuff that had to kind of come to the surface and just had to be dealt with. But honestly, being in a prayer room and just sowing to the heavens just caused my spirit to be vibrant again. And um, 
spending that time beholding the beauty of the Lord and just loving on Jesus mm. and allowing him to love on me, you know, because, you know, I've, I've found that, you know, worship truly is meant to be a two-way conversation where um, obviously we, we're there to express our heart to him, to exalt Jesus, to, um, to worship him, to express our love to him. And in the midst of that, he's, he's got things he wants to say to us and sing over us if, if we're, mm. you know, attentive on that end. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, bottom line, I just, I think it, it helped me to reconnect with that, that kind of sitting at the feet of Jesus and also that kind of that throne room position. So it, it really, it helped to recalibrate me. And it's funny, we're talking about this and like literally right now, my worship team and I know many worship teams are doing this right now. We've, we are going through Jeremy Riddle's new book, The Reset. Yeah, so good. Um, which is touching on the, yeah, we're touching on a lot of these things again. And it reminds me sometimes of, of Don Potter's book, Facing the Wall, because we've, we've got to keep making sure we're coming back to that heart of worship, yeah. why we're doing what we're doing, and that priestly ministry that we have before right. the Lord to minister to Him. Yes. So important, yes. yes. So good. I love in Jeremy's book that sort of the call to action at the end of it was basically the prayer and missions movement. Oh, <laughs> wow, yeah. he, he, I mean, he was basically saying, you know, the worship leaders that he had experienced who had seemed anointed and, you know, steady in the midst of all that's going on was, were those that had been in the prayer movement to some extent and had also been engaged missionally and actually trying to, you know, reach out to others and reach your community. And I, I was just like, Jesus, please help people to read and respond to this. Cause it just touched, you know, it resonated so deeply with me. Yeah. Um, well, you just yeah. spoiled the and, ending for me, but that's okay. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. You haven't, you haven't gotten to the end. No, we're, I'm, I'm reading it real slow on purpose, Okay. you know, but well, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing, but yeah, I haven't you read You can look yet. forward to it. It's one of the last <laughs> chapters where he talks about prayer and missions and, and uh, it's a good finale, but you'll, you'll enjoy it. So awesome. Yeah. 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 Any, uh, anything else you want to say on that? Cause I mean, just, I know you interact with a lot of worship leaders, musicians, singers would love to just, you know, any advice in the age of, Instagram and oh my you know, goodness. like I know. Spotify streams and everything, royalty checks if you write a hit song, like all this kind of stuff that can be the temptation of potentially emerging worship leaders or worship pastors or whatever. Oh, sure. What do you feel like God's saying? You know, what's in your heart mm -hmm. to, you know, worship leaders, musicians, mm -hmm. and singers right now? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because like when when I was young, when I started playing the learning to play the guitar and helping to lead worship there wasn't much in it in the sense of like fame and big platforms because that wasn't being presented before my eyes yeah that just wasn't what was going on at that time and so there in my heart there wasn't a temptation to aspire to certain things that that maybe now are presented a lot more regularly as normal mm -hmm. and so between that and like you said like with social media and kind of this uh, infatuation with, you know, growing your, how many followers you have, how many subscribers you have. There's a, there's a lot of, of trappings for the heart to navigate and for a generation of up, up and coming worship worshipers and worship leaders and songwriters to, yeah. to, to deal with. So I, I do have a bit of concern in that area. And my, you know, my desire, especially with the people that the Lord has entrusted with me, just around me is to kind of, turn the, you know, help to turn their gaze, keep it on Jesus and just help to turn them in the right direction. I don't know. I don't know a better way to say that, but I do feel like we're in a season where the, the Lord really is putting out that call again to draw us back, back to himself, back to the heart of it all, back to purity, uh, purity in mm -hmm. our worship, and even to kind of recalibrate or reevaluate what are we doing and why. And, and that all comes down all the way to a personal level and to a local worship team level, you know, in, in the local church. Um, do we ever worship together apart from being on the stage? You know, in, in the day and age where we have planning center that can do so much work for us, a lot of churches don't even have a midweek rehearsal anymore. Everyone shows up early on Sunday and they get to it and they rehearse the songs and the, and the transitions and, um, and all of that such things. And then they go have coffee and sit in the green room and, 
and it's become a habit yeah. and maybe we for, forgot like why did we start doing this and like what's going on yeah and i've just been challenged recently like we need to be worshiping together and cultivating a heart and an atmosphere of worship even sometimes yeah. apart from our instruments where we're we're back right. to ministering to the lord in simplicity and letting him speak to us and and learning how to flow together again and because i do feel like I use this analogy recently just because I, I live in Jacksonville near the beach. I do not surf and I never will because I don't like I don't like being actually in the ocean because, okay. because of the creatures that are in there. But right, right. But You're I remember there. when I first when I first moved to Jacksonville, I lived on the beach. Um, as you do. If you're like for the first time moving to a beach town, it's like I'm I know where I want to live. Right. So I was I was on the beach in the first summer. Um, like a lot of, on the, on the weekends, especially I'd, I'd go out, you know, walk in, in the morning and go walk on the beach. And I got to observe surf camp, which uh, they have all these young people. They had one for kid, really young kids and then slightly older kids. And you have all these instructors out there with their surfboards and they've got all these kids and they're basically, you know, just teaching them the basics of how to get up on a surfboard, how to catch a wave. And it was really amusing to watch <laughs> because <laughs> for one thing, Jacksonville beach doesn't exactly have like the most amazing waves, but, <laughs> but the thing about surfing is uh, like a good surfer can feel and sense the wave before it comes. You have to anticipate and you have to be in the right position before mm. the wave comes. If you don't, if you're not positioned rightly, you won't catch the wave. And the Lord's just really been speaking to me about that here recently and reminding me of that. Like, I've, I do feel a sense that, because I feel this in my own heart, I see it on a local level. And I'm, as I talk to other people, I'm, I'm hearing similar things. And even with Jeremy Riddle's book, which is so timely, this just, I feel like the Lord is, he's positioning us. He's repositioning us and preparing us because there, there are waves coming, uh, waves of glory, waves of, of worship. And I think you know, certainly with the prayer movement, with what God's doing there, that's a, a huge, a huge part of it. And it's that whole, like, yeah. it's that whole, you know, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. I'm very encouraged. I'm pretty fired up right now um, for reasons that I can't fully explain. I just know the Lord is, has my attention and mm. I, I feel the importance of the season instead of just kind of wait, waiting around like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Where, how's it going to happen? It's, there's an intentionality that I feel in the moment that we need to be getting before the Lord, going back to those, the basics, like, Hey team, let's start worshiping together off stage. Let's start getting in alignment with him. Let's, let's let that hunger, like let the hunger awaken and grow on the inside of us. Let's come back to the purity yeah. of worship. Let's let the Lord deal with the motives of our heart. Anything that's gotten, out of alignment, let's deal with it because this is the time to to be positioned for the waves. And if we don't, if we if we dilly dally and waste this time, I, I'm concerned that we will, we're going to miss something. And I don't want right. to miss. I don't want to miss it. So yeah, <laughs> that's on. where I am. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's a great great place to to land. That's so good. Thank you, Clyde. This yeah. has been fun. Hey, um, You're welcome. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share about Access Worship your worship school that you've got, your training programs and all that that you're doing. So yeah, yeah, away. sure. Okay, awesome. Yeah, um, <laughs> Access <laughs> Access Worship International is a uh, nonprofit ministry that's really focused on empowering and equipping worshipers, worship leaders, singers, musicians, and people who just love to worship. A, a big part of our focus is equipping with spiritual and, you know, musical and practical tools for growing and leading and flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you go to our website, accessworshipinternational.com, you can find all our, uh, our online courses. We have quite a few of those that we've developed over the past few years. We do a monthly webinar that's free called Spirit and Truth. Um, those are live on Facebook. So check us out on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, all the things. But yeah, we have a, we have a Spirit and Truth webinar coming up in a few weeks with Jay Thomas. So we, we always bring in uh, guest worship leaders and speakers, and those are always really powerful, but yeah, our heart is to just continue to develop, um, not just, um, online curriculum, but there's, there's a lot of things on my heart where I feel like the Lord is, is taking us, but we do, we do worship team trainings. 
We do worship nights here in Jacksonville and things like that. But we do have we have a, a, an online school coming up in June called the the Wholehearted Worshipper. Mm. So we'll be we'll be talking more about that soon. We're really looking forward to that one. Cool. We'll be sure to link to all that in the description and the podcast episode notes and all that, so people can uh, can stay connected with you. And if you haven't heard Kalani's music, check that out. I'm sure that's available anywhere. But you've got some great yeah. songs. I, I'm I'm actually like surprised more people don't know your music oh. because it's really good and and you're an, you're a great songwriter. So if anybody wants to grow in songwriting, especially, I would say, you know, check out the Access Worship stuff and because I know yes. you love to tra- train people on that. Songwriting so. is a big one. We do have a songwriting yeah. course that's really really good. So yeah, yeah, check it out. Amazing, awesome, awesome. Hey, will you just say a quick prayer for everybody that's tuning in before we go? Yes, absolutely. Lord, we love you. Thank you for just your presence. It's been so precious and so real this whole time that we've been talking. Um, Lord, I thank you for every person who's who's listening or who's viewing this podcast right now. I just ask, Lord, for a fresh impartation, a fresh touch on their hearts by yes, your Holy Lord. Spirit, Lord, that you would awaken anything that's fallen asleep, that you yes. would bring um, uh, encouragement to their hearts, that you would bring alignment in that positioning that they need. Lord, I just pray for us, uh, the spirit of worship to rise in every heart, every worshiper, Lord, every worship team. Lord, I just, I thank you for what you're doing in our day and in our time. We say yes to you, Lord. We want more and we ask that you would continue to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, that we would not be distracted by the lesser things or the cheaper things, Lord, but that um, we would treasure you above all else or keep us wholeheartedly seeking after you. Uh, we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your kindness, and your love. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kalani. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a share on social media. Send it to some of your friends, your family, those who are in your community. If you're on Apple, if you could leave us a review and a rating, that would really help us give some credibility and get the podcast out in front of more people. If you're on YouTube, give us that little thumbs up button, leave us a comment. Anything you can do to help us would be great. We really appreciate it. Don't forget God's presence changes everything.